Welcome to another edition of the ASHA podcast. I'm Fred Wyan, Director of Communications with the American Sexual Health Association, ASHA. This episode is the second of our three-part series on female sexual difficulties, or FSD, and we'll continue talking with sociologist, sexologist, and relationship expert, Dr. Pepper Schwartz. Dr. Schwartz, welcome back, and thanks again for dropping some knowledge on us about this frustrating, complex, and I would think probably ultimately overlooked topic. Well, it is complex and it is frustrating and I'm delighted that ASH is giving me and the rest of our community that that listens in on ASH's wonderful news about health and sexual health that that we're talking about it because you know, it is an embarrassing thing that uh, women feel about their sex life when it's absent and when they've lost something that they used to love. So I think giving it some light and some community is really a first step on helping solve the problem because I think a lot of women are very committed to seeing if they can retrieve their sex life. They miss it and it bothers them that they can't give this wholeheartedly to their partner. Well, speaking of partners, so our focus today is on the other half of the relationship, someone whose partner is no longer in the mood and they have concerns that it may be more than they think. So let's just jump right in. So how can someone spot if their partner is experiencing sexual difficulties and things? This could, these could be arousal issues, orgasm issues, pain during sex, or, or low libido. How can somebody really spot if their partner might be going through this? Well, sometimes it's really hard to talk to your partner because, you know, women don't want to hurt their partner's feelings. Uh, they may be concerned about their partner's feelings and reactions. They just don't let them know. So, you know, there is a lot of withholding information in this topic. But if you're a partner and over time your partner refuses sexual contact, you're probably feeling that something's wrong intuitively because this is something you used to have. So if she's persistently saying, uh, no, no, I'm not interested tonight, let's do this later, 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 no, 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 you know, and God forbid, are we done yet? <laughs> um, well, the elephant in the room is already there. You, you know it's there, and it needs to be approached. But, but wait for this discussion. I mean, you're probably hurt, you're probably angry, you're feeling deprived, but you really have to wait for a time when you can control any angry emotions because this is not going to be a good discussion set in anger. What you have to do is to approach the conversation with something sweet, something prefaced in love and concern for yourself and the relationship. I always recommend holding hands when you're going to have a tough discussion because it creates a bond and you let you let your partner know that you're in this together. You're not accusing her as a problem and both of you are going to talk about it as a team. The central point has to be, though, um, that you want to be constructive and open and you want to say, I, I want to know what's going on. I, yeah. I I know that things aren't the way they used to be. I love you. I want to help. And you open a conversation like that it's going to be a productive conversation. Now, it may be that you've shown frustration and anger in the past because being said no to or, or being just tolerated sexually, you know, doesn't bring out the best in anyone. But you can just admit that and say, hey, I've been angry because I'm hurt and I'm worried and I feel bad about this and I don't want to be that angry, accusatory, or, or mean person. I, 
I'm shedding that. I'm facing an issue that we could talk about together, and and I and I don't want to be mean in any way. I mean, if you have been, so be it. Admit it and move on. It's really important not to bring up blame because accusing your partner is just going to make her defensive, and and she's not happy about this. I think refusing you or or saying I'm you know just tolerating this is not a pleasant place for anyone to be in. So I think it is important to address what's been bothering you, but to have an open dialogue out of love and protection of the relationship. That has to be the theme. The woman is probably feeling pretty bad about herself anyway, and so approaching this with a little bit of love and tenderness probably goes a long way. Absolutely. I mean, love and tenderness is generally necessary when you have these really hard discussions. And, you know, at some point you're going to need to just burst out with, unhappy feelings and maybe accusatory ones. So that's why you really have to pick a spot and say, no, we're going to talk about that. And, you know, sometimes you will see that this situation has, in fact, been affecting your relationship and daily life, and you can't avoid it anymore. Talk a little bit about the signs that someone might might look for to tell that their partner's sexual concerns are really affecting the relationship and daily life. I mean, are they always really obvious or they sometimes maybe more subtle? You know, they vary from obvious and subtle, but some of the subtle ones is she's just avoiding you. Um, she's, besides refusing you a lot, that's an easy one to look at, um, but maybe she's just not the active partner she used to be. She might be short-tempered and stressed in ways she wasn't before. Mm-hmm. And I think a subtle one is she just avoids intimate situations. She's not as present as she used to be. She comes to bed later. She always comes to bed after you're asleep. She gets in bed and falls asleep immediately. She stays up doing email. You know, avoidance mechanisms of any intimate situation. So basically what you have to do is say, okay, how different is it now than it used to be? What was your baseline like when you were happy and sexually active? And what does it look like now? How massively has it changed? What are some flags or signs that a woman's sexual issues might be about more than stress or trouble in the relationship? Well, the key is the persistent nature of it. Uh, Let's face it, we all go through periods where other things are affecting us, new job, lost a job, kids are making us nuts, you, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, it doesn't make us feel very sexy. So, you know, it's fair to just hang back and just figure this is something you're going through and things will get better if this is just a period of time. But if this has been happening, if there's sexual refusal, sexual disinterest, sexual avoidance has been happening for six months or longer, and it's causing distress or strains your relationship, you know, it affects the way you interact in in sort of non-sexual ways like cuddling or, or talking intimately, not to mention if making love is, is in your distant past now, it is fair to think, well, maybe this is female sexual dysfunction. What can somebody do to get this conversation sparked about sexual troubles? Well, sometimes it's, it's good to go to a third party. And in this case, the third party, you know, might not be a friend or someone else you want to bring in the conversation, but it might be a website that brings up the conversation, gives you information. So, for example, you could encourage her to check out findmyspark.com because that's what it's about. It's about female sexual dysfunction. 
So she could go there and get a lot more information and then have information to take back to a conversation with you, which would really help. I mean, she could take a sexual health quiz there, which can help her identify potential sexual troubles and get more information about what she's been experiencing. She can learn the facts about female sexual dysfunction and the four types of them, including problems with desire, arousal, orgasm, pain, the four really common ones. And then there's a, a frequently asked questions section where you can get resources and more about any one of those, and in this case especially about loss of female sexual desire. And there's a really easy guide to help open the dialogue with you and also with healthcare professionals so more information and maybe some solutions can be seen as possible, which brings optimism and can have a whole change of mood right there. And as I mentioned, they can read real stories from other women who might be experiencing something similar. So you don't feel alone, you get good information, and you understand that this isn't something that's, you know, so unique and so damaging just to you that, that other people are seeking solutions. In fact, you can watch two videos from sexual health experts on FSD and see why it's important to take charge of your sexual health. I think I think all of this really... I mean, we all need information. We all need a direction. Going to findmyspark.com really does help do that. And so if your partner hasn't been giving you any conversation about that, um, you could be the one, if she really hasn't done this, if she doesn't want to do this, well, okay, so you go and look up this site. You see what the research has been doing. And you could even say, you know, I've looked at this website. Let's look at it together. Let's see what's going on. I, I need for us to solve this together. So, A, you encourage her, but if B, she doesn't want to do that or hasn't do it, you take a look. You come armed with some facts and some optimistic, optimistic directions, and you say, let's look at it together. I mean, you can help this thing in a way that's not accusatory, uh, and it's very, very helpful. We talked just a moment ago about some of the signs that a woman's sexual issues might be more than stress and, and, and things like that. So what can somebody do to help their partner really find out if her sexual concerns might actually be a medical condition? Well, you can do your detective work. I mean, you can find out what's out there. You know, we've just been talking about going to findmyspark.com. Well, there's lots of other information you can get. But I think being systematic about it really helps you. You can go down your own checklist of scenarios. Okay, how's her work going? Is there something about the kids that's going on? Maybe you think that might be it. So you say, well, let me take on some duties. Let me give her some more breathing room. Let's see if that helps. Talk to her about her work. Um, maybe, maybe you want to look at something proximal that has to do with her health. What kinds of medications is she taking? Let's take a look if any of them affect her sexual energy or sexual interest. Tracking things down together and getting things in a better place is a wonderful way to approach it. Let's just see what could be going on and let's tick them off one by one. It could be a medical issue that's caused a lot of other things. While health issues and certain medications can cause low sexual desire, they don't cause the clinical condition of HSDD. But by looking at some of these other medical conditions and seeing if they're present, you can see if one of those is in the culprit in this situation because there are medicines that can affect female sexual dysfunction. Cancer medicines, diabetes medicines, multiple sclerosis, depression drugs, anxiety drugs, antidepressants, uh, blood pressure medications, wow. and certainly chemotherapy drugs 
can impact a woman's libido and ability to have an orgasm. So if those are going on, you want to do the checklist to see if any of those are involved. If they're not, they're going to come and go to another kind of conclusion that maybe HSTD is going on, but you certainly want to see if any of those other kind of medications are involved. How can someone help their partner actually find a solution to affect some change? Well, if you've done your homework and you know a little bit more about what you think you're dealing with, at least from what you've read on the uh, website findmyspark.com or what other detective work you've done in the household about other things that might be going on, you can say, you know what, I think this could be HSTD. Why don't you and I go to a healthcare provider? Let's do this as a team. Let's do this as a couple because I want to be part of the solution, and whatever we find out, I will be supportive. Maybe it's what I think it is. Maybe it isn't. But this isn't just about you. This is us. I'm doing my homework. I'll do more homework. I'll do anything I can, and I'll, I'll even make the appointment. I honestly believe, I really believe this in all things, and certainly in this one, that the strongest relationships are made when couples solve problems and come out of it together. When you do these kinds of let's take on a problem and solve it together, hon, I think you feel more lucky to be together than ever. I mean, none of us want to be alone in this world. And when we really approach a real issue as a team, you know, really whatever happens, you come out much tighter, much more bonded. Before we wrap up this segment, I want to go back to something you just touched on. Um, You mentioned a partner might say, hey, I will go with you to see a healthcare provider. Maybe I'll even make the appointment. So when is a good time to seek professional help? Well, usually the best time is as early as possible, you know, but as as we know, in this case, it's probably been going on for quite a while, and it takes a while to realize it's not a situation. It's not something that you're just going through for a short time. Uh, this isn't situational. It's persistent. So it takes a while to get there, but really almost any problem profits from earlier intervention than later. So as soon as you realize that you've got a problem that's not going away, Anytime you start to address that problem, it tends to feel better. And then the sooner you take action, that's better, too. This conversation has so many twists and turns. Um, I can't believe how much ground we've covered, but I know there's still a great deal more to talk about, which we will do do coming up. So, Dr. Schwartz, thank you. That was very enlightening, and I appreciate that. Um, oh, you're welcome. It's good to talk to you. And this wraps up then episode two, and in our next installment of the podcast with Dr. Schwartz, we'll do a deeper dive into the most common type of FSD, hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Uh, It's not to be missed, whether you're a woman or somebody who loves one. So let me mention that you can stream all three episodes in this podcast series with Dr. Schwartz on our site, ashasexualhealth.org. And if you're streaming this one, Just go to the landing page where you click play, and we'll have links to the other episodes. Also, you can find us in the iTunes store where you can download really all of the ASHA podcasts if you prefer to do it that way. So until next time, I'm Fred Wine for ASHA. So long, everybody.